Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today we read the Gospel reading for the Feast of Epiphany, in which we celebrate the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. And as far as I know, that means all of you, and me too. Before the first advent of Christ, it's very unlikely that we would have participated directly in the biblical story of salvation. We are not blood descendants of Abraham, nor did our forefathers and foremothers at some point convert to Judaism. We're all Gentiles. We're all pagans. And even if there's someone out there listening to this one day who's a Jewish convert to Christianity, we've had a few of those here, there's one thing we all share. None of us was born a Christian. You can only be reborn a Christian through the regenerative waters of baptism and through the life-giving grace of ongoing communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No one, even so-called cradle Orthodox, are born Christians. If you come from a Christian family, it isn't that your family are Christian that makes you Christian. You might be born Jewish, or you might be born heathen, but either way, you aren't Christian when you arrive on this planet from your mother's womb. Or as Father Mike Smith puts it so eloquently, God has no grandchildren, only children. As firstborn sons, you are entitled to the full inheritance of God. And whether you're male or female, that's why I like and hope like you, find God's message today so compelling. It means, though, I'm not a son of Abraham by blood. I am a son of Abraham by water and the Holy Spirit. It means that I have been grafted onto the vine of life, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Jesus. For us, Jew or Gentile, we are all now able to be children of God. Today reminds us that before Christ, the Jews were God's chosen people. But today, they are his children as are we. Today reminds us that, that we, the pagans, the unchosen, are also his children too. Today, those who in darkness were given the opportunity become the adopted sons of God. Jesus carried them, he carries us, and he will carry those who come after us into the presence of God. No one is left behind. This is the unimaginable and boundless mercy, love, and grace of our God. Thus, for most of us, epiphany represents a huge beginning for us. Perhaps it's bigger, bigger than that of even Christmas. And in fact, it's certainly still celebrated that way in many, many places today. In fact, it's likely that historically, this feast predated that of the Nativity. In the East, the Feast of Epiphany appears to be most focused on initially the birth of Christ and his baptism. In the West, the focus was ultimately more upon today's story, the visit of the Magi. This story is a considerable indictment of the Jewish establishment. Here we have Herod, the king of the Jews, as they say, being asked, hey, where's your new king? Is it a little wonder that troubled Herod a little bit in all of Jerusalem that some guys from who knows where came and said, hey, where's your new king? As we see the Jews 
in the story understood their, prophet, their prophecies perfectly. Where was Christ to be born? No problem. They knew exactly where. In Bethlehem of Judea, based on the passage from the prophet Micah, but you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So from everything we know, the scribes and priests of Jesus' era, yeah, they were in fact very learned. We know they knew each and every one of the hundreds of commandments found in the Torah, and they followed them publicly to a T, and they wanted everybody to know it. They knew it all, and yet they were missing something. Here, three pagan astrologers showed up out of nowhere and were schooling them. The Gentiles recognized the signs of the coming Messiah before the Jewish leadership did. Indeed, St. John Chrysostom says that the star had been hidden from the Magi so that on finding themselves without their guide, they would have no alternative but to consult the Jews. In this way, the birth of Jesus would be made known to all. That's to say, God ordained that the Gentiles would tell the Jews of their own king. Despite all the revelation the Jewish people had been given by God himself, yet they did not. Nor do we as Christians have some corner market on everything that there is to know about God and about Jesus. God is imprinted on our world and impossible to miss. After all, he created it, and all its goodness reflects him. Unfortunately, in our world, especially our modern one, we're so separated from the natural cycles of our days and seasons and our postmodern world has robbed us of so much of the wonder we should have from simple things. Discussing paganism, G.K. Chesterton said, the pagans were not satisfied with realism because they never quite lost the sense of something more real than realism. They were not content to call a spade a spade because it was almost always a sacred spade. Not only when it dug the graves of the dead, but even when it dug the garden to grow fruit for the living. The pagans were aware of God's hand and presence all around them, who are everywhere present and fillest all things. And as Orthodox Christians, we seek to show everyone that presence, and we remind people of the extraordinary nature of all things when we bless them. Epiphany is a season of blessings, blessings of water, in a few minutes of chalk, maybe in a few weeks, homes. To be an Orthodox Christian, you must be seeking to see beyond the spade, to see a sacred spade, because indeed, it is sacred. If we are simply honest seekers, as the Magi were, we will find Christ. Tolkien said, the Gospels contain a fairy story, or a story of a larger kind, which embraces all the essence of fairy stories. They contain many marvels, peculiarly artistic, beautiful, and moving, mythical in their perfect self-contained significance. This story has entered history and the primary world. And his friend C.S. Lewis would write that the heart of Christianity is a myth, which is also fact. What Tolkien and Lewis are saying is that all the pagan myths have a kernel of truth in them, rebirth narratives, deities, etc., and all of them are realized in the reality of Christianity. Even though the Gentiles had not received the measure of revelation that the Jews had, it turned out in this case that they were making better use of what they had received. They paid attention, and they found God. And yet, 
Even the full revelation to the Jews paled in comparison to that which even the angels longed to look into. No one without God's help could comprehend the shockingly good news that God cared for us so much that he sent his only son to save us and make us his sons by grace, even though we had been treating him so despicably. God loved us so much, he's willing to do anything to save us. Any of us, Jew or Gentile, who is seeking the truth can find it, much like the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember this story. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of the Ethiopian queen, who was in charge of all our treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over, go over to him. So Philip did. And heard him reading these words from the book of Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, before his shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself? Or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Or like the Athenians, who heard Paul proclaim the gospel by proclaiming to them that the unknown God was the creator of the universe and father of Jesus, who had been raised from the dead for them. Yeah, some began to mock him, but others said, we want to hear you again on this topic. When we listen to the quiet voice of the universe around us, we cannot help to see God's hand in it. We all know that all of creation rejoices at the coming of the Messiah. If we listen, we cannot but hear it. Here's G.K. Chesterton again. Pagans were wiser than paganism. That is why the pagans became Christians. And for all of us, thank God they did. Today, we bless seemingly ordinary things and turn them into something extraordinary, water and chalk. And we should Find a way to make sure that we turn our ordinary into something extraordinary for God each and every day of our lives. This is so relevant in our overwhelmingly secular society that hardly seems to even acknowledge that God is there. Ritual is the ordinary of the ordinary, but rituals also create the extraordinary. They train us like athletes, as Paul tells us. And this is a race, a race we must train to win. If we train a little each day, we will not only be able to compete in a 5K, but run an extraordinary marathon. It's a good time of the year, I think, for New Year's resolutions. I mean, after all, it was like, I guess, a week or so ago. So let's make a little resolution to somehow be more mindful of God's presence in the ordinary this year. And then turn that into something extraordinary. It doesn't take much. Just pick something simple and do it. And when you fail, and I guarantee you will, and I will too, don't beat yourself up over it. Just start over again. 
Maybe it could be daily morning or evening prayer, daily scripture reading. Maybe just, you know, saying grace at meals or not eating meat on Fridays. Whatever that ritual, remember that in the ordinary, regular experience of your life, you're taking that ordinary and making it into something extraordinary. Bring into it the very divine life that Jesus calls us to, the extraordinary life that Jesus calls us to each and every day, to, the, to that life that Jesus brought us back to share in through his epiphany that we celebrate today. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.